podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Road End Podcast. Each episode, we will speak to a new guest, get to know them and hear their stories about Liverpool Football Club. Hello everyone and welcome to Season 2 of the Road End Podcast. Today I am joined by the founder of Liverpool Women's Supporters Club, Joe Goodall. Okay, Joe, first of all, thanks for joining. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. You and yourself? Yeah, good, good. Thanks for joining. No worries, glad to be here. Let's start with you then. Have you been a Red since, obviously, younger? Um, yeah, pretty much all my life. It's quite strange, to be honest, because my dad is actually a Blue Nose and he took me to a lot of Everton games when I was younger, um, around like when I was playing football and stuff. And Obviously, being a Blue, he was always going to try and get tickets to go and watch Everton. And I loved going to watch them, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't you know, say that I supported the team. I just loved watching the football. But yeah, probably went to more Blue games than, than Red games when I was younger for that reason. Did you play much football as a kid? Yeah, so I got into football around year three um, and basically one of the lads was coming around the, the playground in school and asking, you know, do any of the girls want to play football because they were short and I was the only one that thought, go on, I'll have a go, why not? I like to try my hand at anything. And it was a bit scary at first because, you know, one girl playing amongst all these boys in the, the playground, you're like, oh, what's going on? Don't really know anything about football, what I'm doing and don't know how to kick a ball, don't know how to save a goal, and yeah, just got stuck in. But I enjoyed it that much that I wanted to carry on playing, despite not being any good to start with. Um, and then eventually towards sort of year five, year six, I was you know good enough to start playing for the school team, which was quite exciting. And then, uh, yeah, went on to play for Merseyside, played for Liverpool Girls for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't really... Something that I thought that I could aspire to to carry on with at the time, like, you know, you see the Liverpool women's team now and it's quite open, it's quite um, publicised. Um, but there was nothing like that when I was younger. The, the Liverpool women's team existed, but you didn't really know about it. So it wasn't like something that you could just see and you could think, oh, I want to do that. As you've just said there, it weren't really publicised and stuff. How far has the game come on in the last few years compared to then? loads I think you know from when I was little like I say there was no visibility around it at all but now you've got it on TV you know you can see posters on like bus stops in the street and things like that Um, there's obviously a lot more on social media now that social media is growing as well and it's just great to see it you know especially for all the young girls now we were playing football who you know for a lot of people sort of my age and a little bit probably a little bit older and a little bit younger didn't even get the chance to play football at school. I had to fight to play football at school because it wasn't a thing back then. And I just love the fact that it is growing. And, you know, even women, you know, in the 30s and upwards are actually getting the chance to play football now as well with, like, women's leagues and things like that coming in. Still pretty handy, or...? Um, I don't know. Probably five minutes and I've been knackered now. My, my fitness is completely gone. But I, would, I, I love playing. When I do get a chance, I do play socially now and again, so... When you're growing up then, was there any role models in football that you'd say you, you did like or you enjoyed watching? Yeah, I used to love Robbie Fowler, Michael Owen. Um, sort of like I played kind of 98 to 2001, that, so that kind of era, Carragher, McManaman, uh, Patrick Berger. I used to get called Patrick Berger because I used to have short hair back then. <laughs> so everyone used to skip me saying I was Patrick Berger. But um, yeah, no women's role models, unfortunately. It was all pretty much the men's team. And if you could compare yourself to one of them now in the women's team, who would it be? 
I think minus the fancy footwork, probably Fuka Nagano. Oh really? Because, that... I like, yeah, I feel like she's got that kind of chess game about her. She's always two, three, four steps ahead, and you know I have that play where I can kind of anticipate where the ball's going next. I can watch where the play is going to go to. So I can always kind of be in the next move before it gets passed or whatever. And I feel like, yeah, Fuku would probably be a match for me. <laughs> Once she learns a bit of English, we'll um, we'll let her know that. We'll have a go. <laughs> a little <laughs> so I just wanted to talk a little bit about the LGBTQ. Obviously, I, I've met you before and you've openly said you was gay. So when did you first know this yeah, so I was probably probably around 17, 18 um, when I actually started to come out to a couple of friends. Um, I think back in school, I had a couple of crushes on teachers, whether everyone goes through that. And it's like, that's the kind of phase that everyone goes through. But yeah, I met a girl whilst I was doing a theatre show, actually, um, when I was about 17, 18. And, you know, I always look back to that and think, if I hadn't have met her, would I have realised I was gay? Would I still be straight? Um, it's a bit of a weird one. Like, you know, I, I don't really understand it that much. But, you know, I'm, I'm quite open about who I am. And I just think it's it's good that, you know, people are out there and, and visible for other people who might be struggling with that internally. You know, I think that there's a lot of people within the LGBTQ community that, you know, might not have support around them. And especially within the women's football community, I think, you know, a lot of women's footballers are, are out and proud to be who they are. And it's nice to see that we don't really see it a lot in the men's game, if at all, in the men's game. Um, so it's nice just that, yeah, there's there's people out there visible for, for other people to kind of look up to and know that they can feel a little bit safer at the game if that's what they're going through at the minute. Well, you mentioned that the men's game and, you know, I've been around the women's game and I've watched a lot of the games and I've seen that there is it is quite a common thing and it's you know it is in everyday life now. Um, why do you think the men's game is still so hesitant about it and why do you think it's not as let's say out there in the men's game? I think probably just stemming back from what we were saying earlier about you know women's football not being as visible. Um, I think mm. there's there's a lot of stigma around the fact that you know men can't be gay, men have to fancy, fancy women. And I think it's probably just a lot harder for men to actually be out there. I don't really understand why, because, you know, there's a lot of people out there not in football who are gay, openly men. So, yeah, I think it's it's probably only going to take, you know, a few years before a couple of men in the Premier League maybe come out and, and admit to that. I've I've always said it'd be great for it to happen because it would probably help so many people, so many you know, men's football followers. But at the same time, you can't force it either. You can't, you know, you can't just make someone come out if they don't feel safe to do so. But yeah, I think it's probably just around the stigma of men will be men and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that because obviously I don't really want to make you feel uncomfortable and stuff, but I know you're quite an open person, so it's nice to hear it. Let's move to the supporters club. So you're the face of it, let's be honest. I know you've got a lot of people working working with you and a lot of people do a lot of good work as well. So I wouldn't like to just all point it at you, but you founded yeah. the Women's Supporters Club. How did, how did it come about? Yeah, so I did my level one coaching. Um, I can't remember how long ago now, maybe five or six years ago. And through that, I met a lady uh, who works for the FSA, the Football Supporters Association, who back then was actually my one of my coach mentors. And 
through her new role with the FSA, she basically looks after the women's network of football supporters. And she approached me, we were quite good friends, and she approached me just basically saying, you know, the, the Liverpool women's team don't have a supporters club. What do you want to do? Do you want to make one? Or And she kind of twisted my arm a little bit. And, you know, I was like, it's not really something I feel I've got time for because I was still coaching back then. And eventually, due to like personal circumstances with work and different shift patterns that changed, I ended up having to give up the football coaching. And it just kind of fell at the right time that I was like, I need something else to do because I'm I'm a busy person. I love being busy, even though it can get too much sometimes. It, I can't just sit around and twiddle my thumbs. I have to be doing something. So I was like, oh, go on then, I'll set a supporters club up. So I kind of made like all the accounts online on social media, but hadn't told her about it because I was still kind of like, do I do it, do I not? Mm-hmm. And in the end, I was like, yeah, go for it. Why not? So I actually started to kind of publicise it in March 2020, right before COVID. My initial plan was like, I'll go to the games, I'll say, hi Dom, you know, my name's Joe, I run the supporters club, do you want to join it and help me out and get it, you know, make it to to grow? And I couldn't do that. COVID happened, we were all in lockdown and, and that was it. It was like all the ideas I had were gone. So basically, that's the reason that I am the face of the supporters club, because with having to then set all the foundations for the supporters club online... I basically wanted to put my face out there to say to people, look, this is who I am. I'm not some weirdo trying to get to know the, the players. I'm just a normal fan, the same as you and, and everyone else. And this is what I'm doing. Come and join me. Follow our social media because that's all you can do at the minute and, and see where it goes. And, you know, thankfully, I've had a lot of support from that, especially from some of the team and Vicky Jepson back at the time as well. Um, a lot of them started to kind of like follow the, the social media, share some of the posts and, from that, it just started to to grow and grow. So what's the aim for the supporters club then? We see Pretton Park now, the numbers are a lot more than what they were. And, you know, there's new faces there pretty much all the time. So is it a case of you just try and engage with as many fans as possible to keep bringing people to the game? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think when I started going to the women's games, again, can't remember what year it was, but it was when we were playing in Widness. Um you know, and I'd go to a couple of games with one of my best mates at the time who had a season ticket and you'd go and it'd just be you and your mates sat together and that would be it. You'd hear a few songs now and again, but, you know, there wouldn't really be many songs. There wouldn't be many people talking to each other. It'd just be go to the game, watch the football, go home and that was it. So for me, the supporters club, the idea behind it was just to kind of bring people together, get that whole LFC family thing going and, and just get people talking to each other and just make it one big community of people who... You could come to a game on your own. Like we've we've had people come to games on their own and say, "Oh, I'm a bit anxious. I don't really know anyone, but I'd like to come along." And you know, some weeks at home games, we'll have um, a little meet up in the, the the clipper outside, a little pub. So some people go for lunch before the game, and we've started doing little like social meetups in there before the game. So I've said to people, if they're on their own, come and meet me before the game. I'll send them a picture so they know who to look for. And I'll introduce them to a few people and then they've got familiar faces to come to the game with then. So next week, if I'm not there, they at least know two or three other people who were there the last time they came. And it's it's great to see how much it's grown over the last couple of years. Like We've got such a nice big core group of members now from the supporters club who will sit together at the games when they can. They'll go on the away bus when they can. And even outside of football, you'll see like people will go and watch Liverpool Feds play or they'll go and watch England play together and just try and make things happen outside of football because they've actually made friends as opposed to just football friends. I noticed that 
Liverpool are trying to find a base, basically, for either a new training ground or an actual ground itself for the ladies' team, women's team. Do you know any more on that? If you do, you probably can't spill it. But is it going to be over this side of the water? So I know that they've got two or three potential sites that they're looking at for a training ground. I don't think there's any scope to look at a new actual ground at the moment. But the training facility, they're still looking at three facilities. And there's not been any updates on that at the minute. They're just basically trying to work out which one's going to be the best long term. But until we get any updates on that, then we that's all we can say at the minute. But I'm hoping that the supporters club can have a sort of inside access to it when it when it does happen. I know the club do like media days for like journalists and stuff to go along and ask questions to players and things like that. But I'm trying to fingers crossed we can sort something so it's like a, a supporters club access only type of thing. But we'll see what happens with that. Do you know the um the AXA? Was you disappointed when the ladies team weren't based from there? Yeah, I think that sort of happened just as I'd set up the supporters club around about okay. the same time. So I didn't really know anything about it before that. Um, I was going to watch the women's games, but I like I don't really pay much attention to like news and stuff like that. It's not really my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I just like going to football and watching it, and and that's it. But I think knowing what I know now with how it all happened, I think there's a lot of new people within the club working behind the scenes on stuff, and I think I think they definitely missed a trick with AXA. But at the same time, we also then wouldn't be getting our own bespoke women's facility if we had to been put in there. So I think it, it swings and roundabouts for me. I think we missed a trick, but also I'm excited to see what they can make of their own bespoke facility because it'll include the women and it'll also include the, the girls' teams as well, the the academy teams. Yeah, well, what I've noticed is that the big differences in both. You go to a men's game and it's as though they're like a prized possession. There's no engagement between fans other than songs. You go to the women's game and, you know, they've got so much time for everybody, haven't they? After the game, before the game, um, social media, like you said. And obviously I took Oliver to his first game and every single one of them had so much time for him and, you know, engaging with him. And he was coming home that day saying he couldn't believe he met such and such. And it just makes such a difference, that relationship that the players have got with the fans, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I think, you know, that engagement without that, you probably wouldn't get half of the, the fans coming back to the games that you do. You know, in the men's game, you obviously don't get that. Um, the odd occasion, you might get a player coming over and throwing a shirt to you or something like that. But in the women's, I think the fact that you can get like photos and stuff with them after the game, you can get autographs. It's just, it's wholesome because again, like we didn't have that visibility as young kids, when, you know, for me and if I'd have had something like that, it might have given me something to aspire to look up to and, and have them idols. And I think for the young kids now who are doing that, including boys as well, it's not just the girls, you know. And I think it just gives it, it gives young kids a lot of respect for them as well. And I think growing up, they'll have the respect for women's football. And hopefully over the, the next lot of generations coming in, you know, that sort of like stigma around women women's football and women's sport will will change and it'll actually improve it for the better as well so it's not just about you know the the interaction it's also about like what's coming in the future from it as well yeah okay so on the team obviously it looks quite likely well more than likely that we're going to stay up and that's probably the first objective once we got the you know once we got promoted how do you see us hit the next level I don't know to be honest I'm just like yeah I'm excited that we're staying up I think for me coming into this league I knew it was going to be tough. I, I kind of had it like the start of the season. I was like, yeah, top four, top six. I had quite big aspirations for them. And I think Katie Stengel hit the nail on the head when she had an interview a while ago. And she said something along the lines of, you know, why? what's the point in just trying to stay up if you're in the league, compete for it? 
Mm-hmm. And they've obviously tried. We've had a lot of good games. We've had some unfortunate results from some games. And I think, you you know, mid-season, I thought of said to myself, yeah, as long as we do stay up at this point, then, you know, everyone will be happy. I think going into next season, it's going to depend a lot on who Matt brings in and, and who we lose. But I think looking at the way that we've played so far this season, and to, especially towards the end of this season now, I think we've definitely got a lot of good players who have got a good head on the shoulders. They've got a really good bond between them all. And I think whatever happens now, we can only go up. I don't think that there's there's any way we would struggle next season. I think Matt's got some aspirations to bring in some really good players over summer. So hopefully they pull off. Uh, I don't know anything about them. I don't know any of them. But, you know, from what they've been talking about, I think we've got a lot to look forward to. Yeah, and there's obviously already technically quality players in already. Um, there is positions that they do need to improve on. I don't really want to point certain people out, but I'd say um, Roby. There's been calls for her for how long to get a consistent run of games, and she weren't getting the game time, was she? But I think the last last few games, she's been absolutely spot on. And then the derby, do we want to bring the goal up? <laughs> no, she, you know what Rose played quality in the last few games that she's actually had had game time she's been brilliant and you know she she is a consistent defender for me I think she always puts the tackles in but then you look at some of the other players that we've got and I think you could probably say the same about all of them to an extent so you know I'm glad that I'm not Matt because or Amber because having them decisions of who to put on the pitch every week must be so difficult but yeah I'm glad to see that she has got game time whether she'll continue getting that game time I don't know but you know hopefully she will and if she doesn't I hope that she'll just carry on keeping her head down and training and working hard and trying to prove to Matt that she should be on the on the pitch the same as everyone else yeah well for anyone who doesn't know I was sat with Joe at Goodison um, Friday night just gone with the derby and when a goal gets ruled out live in front of you you can't really question it um but then after the game and on the way home from the game and the days that have followed, that is up there with one of the worst refereeing decisions I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. I, if, if that was the men's game, even with VAR, that, I think that goal definitely would have stood. There's no chance that that was infringement or impediment on the goalkeeper or whatever. Yeah, I'm gutter for Roby because, you know, I think she's only scored, she only scored three goals for Liverpool so far when she got the hat-trick. And it was a great goal as well, Yana, with the little flick behind and... Yeah in the back of the net from Robe. A few people have said that, you know, obviously the decision kind of went against Kerry Holland, who was meant to have, like, pushed the goalkeeper. But I think, I don't know whether she got a push off one of their players and it's just kind of, like, rebounded onto their keeper. But, yeah, I'm not going to say any more on that. (laughs) We'll get off this call and we'll be fuming. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so lastly, before we move on to the quickfire round, for people who haven't been to a Liverpool ladies game before, why should they go? Oh, because why not? I just think you're missing out on a brilliant opportunity, um, especially if you've got young kids. It, the games aren't just for young kids, but if you have got kids, then, you know, definitely bring them along. And just the fun that we have as well, like I say, we meet up in the pub most times before the game. Um, we just have a bit of a laugh there, get to know each other. And then all the songs that we sing, like... If you know the men's songs, come to the women's because we just changed them for the women. So you'll know all the songs. You're not going to feel left out. But you'll see some quality football as well. I think, you know, it's not just about the atmosphere there. It's about watching the football as well. And, you know, Liverpool have had a great season so far. We've had a lot of a lot of really good performances. And I just think if you haven't given it a go so far, just come along, give it a chance and just give it a go. 
We are now going to do a quick fire round with our guests. This could be very controversial. Just a few questions. Nothing, nothing crazy. Bit of fun. Women's or men's football? Women's. Prenton Park or Anfield? Anfield. You've got a chippy. Your mouth's dry as a bone. You need a drink. What you go to? Pepsi Max. Good shout. <laughs> that always works, though. <laughs> okay. If you could be anyone, who would it be? That's yeah. a difficult one. If I could be anyone, I'd be me. Good. I'd be me. If Liverpool ladies could sign anyone for next season, who would it be? I'm going to go with Sam Kerr would be a good one. Oh, yeah. Imagine that. Well, <laughs> but let's see. Let's wait and see. Okay. Thanks for your time. Let's let's call it a pod there, Joe. Yeah, no worries. Thanks very much. No problem. So for anyone who isn't following the Liverpool Football Club Women Supporters Club, where can we find them? So yeah, so we've got a website with all the details on, which is www.lfcwsc.co.uk and social media is at lfcwsc. Perfect. And for anyone who hasn't been to a game before, um, I took my little lad for his first game this season. And this is no word of a lie just because Joe's on here either. It's definitely a different experience, but it's an experience you should be having. Oliver was a bit nervous about going to the men's game first and it was too loud. It was too overpowering for him. He was more relaxed at the ladies' game. He got to enjoy the football more. Uh, There's loads of engagement with different fans. The players at the end were brilliant as well. Uh, But there's a good football team there. And without people's support, they're never going to get to the next level. So try and get yourselves down there. Um, Fixtures are on the website. Yeah. Anything more I can add to that, Joe? No, like you say, it is a different experience from the men's. It's a lot more, it is more family orientated and, and, you know, child-friendly and I just think anyone should experience it. We do have kids coming with headphones as well if if they're sensory, you know, got sensory issues and stuff. But yeah, it's just such an inclusive environment and you'd be stupid to miss out. All right, that's finished there. Thanks for your time. Welcome. Thanks to everyone for listening in to today's podcast and thank you to our amazing guests. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. Don't forget to follow us on social media, twitter.com, forward slash the road end pod and on instagram instagram slash the road end pod 